the end or just the beginning. Because as, as time ends, as our time on earth ends, the beginning of life really begins. Because eternal life happens. And you will spend eternity, you will spend eternity somewhere. Either in heaven or in hell. You will spend eternity with God or without God. And again, I will, I'll say it again because people always say, why does God send people to hell? He doesn't. He just honors your request to be away from him. You don't want him, and so he says, okay, then I will honor what you've decided. I will honor your choice. And so we're living in the end times. Time is, is clicking down, and, and um, I believe it, it's closer than it's ever been. We're always wanting to know what will happen in the end times. When will the Lord return? When is he coming back for his church? 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's being patient with you. He's being patient with you. And he's not wanting anyone to perish. It's not his desire that anybody goes to hell. He doesn't want anybody to die the second death. But he wants everyone to come to repentance. That's God's heart right there. You want to sum it up right there. He, he doesn't want anybody to die and go to hell. He wants everybody to, to come to a point of repentance. So he's patient. He's giving you time. And then verse 10 says, but the day of the Lord will come. Somebody say, will come. Will come like a thief, unannounced. Just show up. You don't know when the thief's coming to your house, or else you'd be ready waiting for him. Dude, seriously, stay, take a step on in. No, Jesus is coming, will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, instant global warming. Like global heating, overheating. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Because you know these things, because you understand that God always keeps his promise, and he's promised this. He's promised he's coming back. He's promised to come for his church. He's promised that eternity is going to happen. And you get a choice. And he's waiting patiently for you to step into what he has for you. So what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God. 
and speed its coming. And I'll just stop and say this. You don't really look forward to your father coming home when you're living in rebellion. And you know you're in trouble. And your mother looks at you and goes, wait till your father comes. <laughs> I had that happen in my life a few times. And I'm not looking forward to hearing dad's voice. I don't want him to come through that door. And he says, you're looking forward to my return because you're ready. You're living a holy, godly life. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. The heaven we got right now is pretty cool, but he's got a new one coming. He's working on it. The earth we're living in has got a whole lot of beauty with it, but there's a new earth coming where righteousness dwells. I can't even imagine. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the mind of human beings what God has prepared for those who love him. I mean, there's something coming that's indescribable. You can't even explain it. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Amen. So, we've got two more churches to make up the seven, which is the completion of the church, the complete message to the church. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. It's pretty close to home, doesn't it? In fact, those of you who know our story, this is one of the scriptures God used to bring us to this area. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close. And what he closes, no one can open. I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, Yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Notice here, there's no super church with super strength. There's just little strength and obedience. Little strength and obedience. Because in our weakness, he is then made strong. And this is the, the, the faithful remnant of the church. Little strength, big God, and an open door. You don't need super strength. You don't have to be a superhero. You just need to obey what the God of the universe tells you to do. And in your little strength, he is made strong, and you walk through open doors that he opens up. Nobody can close the door he opens. Come on, somebody. And if God is for you, who can be against you? He says in verse 9, Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, 
those liars who say they are Jews but are not. There are some in the house who, who say, I'm, I'm a believer, I'm, I'm in, I'm a part of the family. He said, now there, there's some in the house and I'm going to force them to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. Now this is Jesus speaking. It sounds pretty harsh to me. But it's all done in love. Notice the next verse. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. This is the great tribulation. And he's saying to the faithful church, there's a time of testing coming. There's a great tribulation, a great day of testing coming, and I will protect you from that. Pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. Is the church going to go out before the tribulation? After the tribulation or in the middle of the tribulation? Everybody wants to know. Tell me, when are we getting out of here? So many scriptures point to before as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot. Noah, God put them all in the ark, safe, then the floods came. Lot got him out of the city, then the rain, the hail, the fire came, right? I'm believing for a pre-tribulation rapture. But if I'm still here in the middle of it, I'm still going to love him because I trust him. Because he said, I will protect you. I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. Is it possible for my crown to be taken away? Apparently, because Jesus said, hang on to it. Hang on to it. Don't let anybody take away what I've given you. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God. And they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. I'll tell you, throughout, throughout this revelation reading one of my biggest prayers is Lord give me a listening ear 
I don't, I don't want to miss a thing. I don't want to miss anything you're saying to me. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Now, I want you to notice there's no call to repentance here in the church of Philadelphia. Isn't that interesting? There's just a commendation for being obedient and faithful. And when you're obedient and faithful, you don't have to repent. Huh. Right? When you got a kid who's just doing what you asked them to do, they don't have to go, oh, I'm so sorry, Dad, I'm so sorry, oh, I'm so sorry. For what? Uh, that, that, that's old stuff. Don't bring up the old stuff. I got rid of that. I've cast it in my seat into the forgetfulness. I can't remember it. It's gone, removed from as far as the east is from the west from you. There's huge blessings for obedience and faithfulness. We'll look at the key of David real quick because it's, it's been a part of my life. What, what is this, this key of David? What, what was the key of David's life? The key of David was, is only mentioned twice in Scripture. Revelation and Isaiah. Two times it's mentioned the key of David, and it always says what he opens, no one can shut. What he shuts, no one can open. It, it's a key. It's a, it's a key that locks things up. It's a key that opens things. The key to David's life we find in Acts chapter 13, verse 22. After removing Saul, let me just say, God always has to remove something in order to place something else in its place. And some of you are crying about Saul being removed out of your life. And you need to quit crying about that because there's something better coming. There, God always removes what doesn't need to be there so he can put in place what needs to be there. After removing Saul, he, God, made David their king. Notice the next word. God testified concerning David. This, these are God's words. They're not anybody else's words. God testified concerning David. What did he testify? I, God, have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. And most of us stop at that point point. we're like, David is a man after God's own heart. Well, I want to be a man after God's own heart. And then God explains what he means by being a man after God's own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Come on. He will do everything I want him to do. David, a man after God's own heart, a man after my own heart, he will do everything I want him to do. And here I find the key of David is simply doing everything God wants you to do. You can have that same testimony about you. And that key will give you the ability to open things and close things. 
he, he, obedience opens doors that no one can close. It closes doors that no one can open. And God knows which doors you need to walk through. And if you're living in complete obedience to him, he has the keys of David, opening and closing. You need to go ahead and thank God for some closed doors in your life because closed doors are as important as the open doors. There's some things that you need to realize God has shut. He's closing it down so you don't go into something that's going to mess you up. I think sometimes we get upset at God for the closed doors. But they're both a blessing. And if he closes something, don't try to knock it down. Don't try to force your way in. Say, thank you, Lord. I'll keep moving on to the open door. And I'll receive the blessings you have for me. Key of David is also a messianic reference from Isaiah chapter 22. So Jesus here is laying claim to being the Messiah as well. And then we move to the 14th verse, the church of Laodicea, the final church in this seven church series. The apostate, nauseating church who makes claims they aren't living up to. That makes God sick. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen. In Greek, the word amen means firm, faithful, so be it. It's an affirmation, so be it. What you said is true, it's firm, it's faithful. I agree with you, so be it. That's why you hear amen around here a lot. Amen. amen. So be it. It's done. It's an expression of absolute trust and confidence. And Jesus Christ is the amen. He's the seal that says, it's done, so be it. You can count on it. It's trustworthy. The amen, the faithful and true witness. The beginning. In Greek, that word beginning means origin. The the. the person or thing in a series, the first person or thing in a series, it's, it's the leader. And he is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you're like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Isn't it interesting how the church views themselves and how they are actually viewed by Jesus? Their actual state of being. I'm good. I'm rich. I've got everything I need. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize. You can't even see beyond your blindness. 
and all your stuff. This rebuke is pretty harsh and heavy. The whole hot and cold thing, right? I used to think it meant, you know, being white hot for God or cold for the devil. Got to be white hot for God, burning with fire for God. Or you're going to be cold and nasty and stale and you love the devil because you're cold. But guess what he says here? Jesus says, you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. I wish you were hot or I wish you were cold. But instead, you're lukewarm. What's he saying? He's saying, I came expecting to get something. Something cold to refresh my, my thirst. Or I came to, to receive something hot to warm me up. But instead, what I got was something that had been sitting around so long, it just became like everything else around it. And the lukewarmness, you just started acting like and being like and tasting like and feeling like Everything around you, you became room temperature. So I want you to be sticking out hot, sticking out cold. You got to be different from your environment. I believe God is calling us as the church. In this house, to be something different than what anybody else can get anywhere else. Jesus said, I'm, I'm not getting what I was expecting. Just like everything else around you. You've cooled down to room temperature. You've warmed up to room temperature. And when I take a drink of what I was expecting to be hot or cold, I'm getting same same, same. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be the same. Don't be like everything else around you. Mm. It's time to stand out. Verse 18, so I advise you to buy gold from me. Everything you need is found in him. Buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire, then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me, so you will not be shamed by your nakedness. An ointment for your eyes, so you will, will be able to see. And then notice this next line. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Oh, the steadfast love of the Lord. Everything you need is found in him. And, and notice this. He loves the church even in this disgusting, repulsive condition. He loves the church of Laodicea. And it's his loving kindness that leads us to repentance. 
And know this, if the Lord has rebuked you, if the Lord has ever corrected you, if he's spoken through his servants to, to speak a word to you that is a word of rebuke and correction, know that it's love. That's love. If he let you just keep going like you are, that's not love. There's a time for discipline. And he loves you, and so he disciplines those he loves. Hallelujah. Be thankful you're his child. Be thankful that he cares about you. Be diligent. Be full of zeal. Turn and repent. Because indifference will kill you. Nah, I don't know. I don't care. I don't know. Whatever. That'll kill you. Look, I stand at the door and knock. Verse 20. Look. Stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious, sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit, understand what he's saying to the churches. And could it be that Jesus is on the outside of the church knocking, trying to get back in. He's not talking to sinners here. He's talking to his church, to the church of Laodicea, to the angel of the church of Laodicea. I stand at the door and knock. Churches put Jesus on the outside. He wants to come in. Interesting fact that eating a meal together, it's a very significant act from a biblical standpoint, from a cultural standpoint at the time of Christ, is signified becoming one with the other person. And Jesus is always wanting to share a meal together with people. That, that's why the Pharisees and the Sadducees always got so upset when Jesus ate with sinners. You, you can't do that. You can't become one with them. Jesus is like, I'm knocking. If you just open the door, I'll come in. We're going to hang out together. We're going to become one and share a meal together. He, he's inviting you to come. Just open the door, and he'll come in and become one with you. Revelation chapter 4. Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven. And the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. James, where's that trumpet at? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I didn't ask you to do that this week. And the voice said, come up here and I will show you what must happen after this. And if you'll go back to our first day that we, we open this series, this begins the third section of Revelation after the things of the church age. This is the rapture. This is the catching away of the church. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, the apostle Paul writes to the Thessalonian Christians and he says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. 
See, there's this catching away, being caught up together with, with him. And that's, that's where we get the word rapture. Rapture, the word rapture is not in the Bible. But there's this catching away, this, this uh, euphoria, this, this lifting out. And so here, the Apostle Paul begins to talk about the same thing that's happening in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. A door open in heaven, the voice speaking like a loud trumpet blast. Come up here. I'm going to show you what's going to happen. And instantly, verse 2, instantly I was in the spirit and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. Hello. Sometimes we think that first thing I'm going to do when I get to heaven, first thing I'm going to do, I've got some questions for God. Why did you? Really? You'd be so overwhelmed. First thing John saw was the throne and someone sitting on it. And he's still on the throne. I, I remind you again, he is on the throne. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. There's none like him in all the earth. There's none beside him. He is God Almighty. And, and John said, I saw, I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones like jasper and carnelian. He doesn't describe God in his, in his form. He describes what's around him. It's, it's enough to blind you. The glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him and twenty-four elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. Most scholars believe the 24 elders are a representative of the church. Sitting on thrones dressed in white with gold crowns, just like he said to the church of Philadelphia and Laodicea, if you go back and look at that. So here's the church surrounding the throne of God. From the throne came flashes of lightning and a rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God, the complete spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes front and back. They don't miss a thing. They're like your mama. She got eyes in the back of her head. The first of these living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Many scholars believe these are the four faces of Jesus. And I don't have time to get into that today. But each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out. And day after day and night after night, they keep on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. And whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power 
For you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. Another translation says, and for your pleasure they were created. You're not created for your own pleasure. You're created for his pleasure. Once you get a hold of that and recognize that and begin to live like that, it will change everything about your life. It's not about me. It's about you and what pleases you. And they began to worship and praise. Revelation chapter 5, then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. This book, this scroll, is nothing other than the title deed to the earth. And under Jewish law, whenever you sold property in the deed, there was always a redemptive clause. You always had the right to buy the property back within a specified period of time, providing you could fulfill the terms and the requirements that were written in the deed. So whenever there was a sale of property, there were always two deeds that were drawn up. One deed was sealed. It was put away in a safe deposit. The other remained open and was kept by the person who sold the property. And in the time of redemption, you would bring both deeds, the one that was open and the one that was sealed. And by the open deed, you would prove that you were the one that had the right to redeem it. And in the redeeming of it, you would break the seals of the closed deed and you would fulfill the requirements therein and thus the property would revert back to you. God owned the right to the earth simply by creation. He then gave dominion, gave the rights to the earth to Adam. Adam relinquished his rights to Satan when he disobeyed God and obeyed Satan. You remember when Jesus came, what was the purpose of his coming? It was to, to redeem the world back to him, back to God. And what was the first thing Satan did when he saw Jesus? He took him, took him to the wilderness, tempted him. Actually, the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. Satan didn't take him there. He just showed up. Because he always shows up when you're in your weakest place. Satan in his temptation of Jesus took him to a high mountain. Showed him all the kingdoms of the earth. Offered it to Jesus if he would just bow down and worship him. Satan said, I will give you all of this because it is mine to give. You read it in Luke and, and, and I believe it's Matthew and Luke. It's mine to give. And the interesting thing is Jesus never refuted his claim. No, it's not. It's my father's. He didn't refute that claim. Satan said, it's mine to give. In fact, the apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and he said, Satan is the god of this world. And he has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. That's why things are in such a mess. 
Jesus came to redeem, to buy back all that the enemy has laid claim to. And he paid the full redemption price through his obedience to God the Father. There's a little something there to get excited about. And no one was worthy. Then I began to weep bitterly, he says in verse 4. I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. He's worthy. He's worthy. And then I saw a lamb. Huh? I thought he said it was the lion. He is. He's the lion and the lamb. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the one who won the victory. He's the lamb who sacrificed himself. The lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered. But it was now standing. <laughs> he was slaughtered, but now he's standing. Between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He's among the church. Just like he said in Revelation chapter 1. Ah, woo! I could get excited. I may get excited this morning. Mm. He... He had seven horns and seven eyes which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. And he stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp. and They held gold bowls full, filled with incense, which are the prayers of of God's people. And don't you dare quit praying. Don't you dare give up on what God has placed inside your spirit. You continue to pray because it's filling up the bowls of incense before God Almighty. And he smells them. He sees the smoke rise. And he answers every prayer. Hallelujah. He's an awesome God. And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals. And open it. For you were slaughtered. And your blood has ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God. And they will reign on the earth. Amen. Hallelujah. And I looked again. And I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders, and they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is a lamb who 
was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. Every creature sang Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. So be it. Faithful. True. You can count on this. 24 elders fell down. Worship the Lamb. Worship the Lamb. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Worthy to receive all glory. All power, all might, and dominion. Worthy are you, O oh Lord. Worthy are you, O oh Lord. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty who reigns forever. Worthy are you, O Lord. None like you. None like you, Lord. We honor you in this place today. For you are worthy to break the seal because you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed us. You have bought us back. You have purchased us with the full purchase price. And Lord, we're overwhelmed at your love for us. We do not want to be lukewarm. Oh, God. Oh God. The beautiful thing is we have a choice. Even now, oh, there's coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But you don't have to wait till that day. You can make him your Lord right now in this place.
you can lay your life down for him because he laid his life down for you he loves you so much he loves you so much for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life he loves you so much. If you want to give your life to him today, I want to pray with you. It's the first thing I want to do today. If Jesus Christ is not your Lord, But you want to change that today. Make him the Lord of your life. I want you to just slip a hand right up real high. We're going to pray together, and God's going to set you free from your sin. He's going to give you a brand new start all over this room. Raise your hand if you want to receive Jesus.